You are listening to the First Tech Podcast. These podcasts are designed for authorised financial advisors. If you are not an authorised financial advisor, you may find the content of this podcast difficult to follow as it assumes you have the necessary training and qualifications to understand the concepts discussed. You should also be aware the information contained in this podcast is general information only and does not take into account any of your personal circumstances, needs or objectives. When a client becomes permanently incapacitated and wants to access or roll over their super, special tax rules can apply to increase the tax-free component of their benefit. And while many advisors are familiar with the technical aspects of these rules, they are sometimes less certain on who is responsible for doing what, which can then lead to confusion and delay. So as a result, First Tech receives a lot of calls on this issue. Now, my name is Craig Day, and here to discuss two of the most commonly asked questions in relation to tax-free uplift and invalidity benefits is Linda Bruce, one of my senior technical services managers. G'day, Linda. Hey, Craig. How are you? Fabulous, as usual. Fabulous as usual. Good, 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 good. It's a beautiful day. Yeah. Not raining. Not raining. Hasn't been raining for a little while, which is good. All right. So back on 20 October 2020, we actually did a podcast on this issue. So if you're listening going, Hang on, haven't they already done a podcast on, on invalidity capacity? No, invalidity issues and tax free Yes, we have, right? Um, so you can go back and listen to that for a full detailed analysis of how all these rules work. But what we're actually focusing on today is these two practical issues around the payment or the application of payment of the of the tax free uplift. Now Without going into too much detail, Linda, can you please remind us of what a disability superannuation benefit actually is? Because this is at the nub of it, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Sure, Craig. Um, at a very high level, uh, it's where a disabled member uh, is able to provide two copies of a medical, valid medical certificate to the trustee of the super fund. And the medical certificates uh, state that they are permanently disabled. Uh, any lump sum benefits with they withdraw from the super fund or roll over to a different super fund, uh, while the medical benefits are still valid, will then be treated as a disability superannuation benefit rather than just a normal superannuation member benefit. So this means um, the super fund is able to calculate additional tax-free amount we commonly refer that amount as a tax-free uplift. This is mm-hmm. based on a legislative formula stated in the uh, 97 Tax Act. So what it does is to increase the amount of the tax-free component included in the disability benefit. And therefore, uh, think about it, the increase of the tax-free amount, meaning the reduced the taxable component and therefore, it can potentially reduce the amount of tax the member needs to pay uh, if they needed to access the benefit while uh, at the age of 60. Yeah, right. So over 60, you don't need to worry about. But a lot of people become incapacitated due to illness or accident under age 60 and if they want to access it, then getting that tax-free uplift can be crucial because it significantly, potentially significantly reduces tax. Yeah. Right. But... As you said, for the tax-free uplift to apply, you mentioned there that the disability super benefit must be a lump sum benefit. So what does that mean? What does it mean? So being a disability payment, um, a benefit, uh, rather, disability benefit alone is not enough. It has to be a lump sum benefit as well. 
so in this case, a lump sum is defined again by the 97 Tax Act as mm-hmm. a super benefit that is not a super income stream benefit. So that's right. quite a broad, a broad right, Craig? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. it just means the tax-free uplifts uh, can potentially apply where the member withdraws a lump sum from a super as well as where the member decides to roll over their super benefit from one fund to another. However, we all remember that ATOID, don't we? The ATOID mm-hmm. 2009-125. What the ATO said was, uh, if the member commences the income stream due to disability within the same super fund, it's not actually a payment of a lump sum. So that commencement of the pension would not meet the definition of lump sum disability benefit. So if the client just simply commences the pension within the same super fund, unfortunately, they don't get the tax-free uplift. Okay, so if I can summarize what you're telling me there, if I've got a client that uh, is able to get these two doctor's certificates uh, and we pay a disability superannuation benefit lump sum, which uh, can include either a lump sum withdrawal or a rollover benefit, then we can modify their tax-free component to increase it, which potentially reduces the tax payable. But if we're just simply commencing an income stream within the same fund, we don't get that uplift. That's right, yes. Okay, terrific. Okay, so let's get on to our first actual question. Now, you mentioned the tax-free uplift can generally apply to super rollover or lump sum withdrawal, as I've just summarised. Um, if the benefit is paid within the, the period that the medical certificates are valid, obviously. Now, however, some advisors tell us that super funds only apply the tax-free uplift to lump sum withdrawals and not rollover. So contradicting what we've just told everyone, what's going on there? Yeah, we're really surprised when uh, we first get this question about just about over a year ago. And an advisor said, uh, we just did a rollover and we got a quote from the super fund. And the fund told us it's not possible to increase the tax-free amount. And we said, could that be uh, because the medical certificates are not valid? And an advisor said, no, 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 they said they can do it for lump sum withdrawals, just not a rollover. And they also uh, told us the reasoning behind it. And apparently, um, the uh, one found quoted that the ATO says on their website that the tax-free uplift can only be increased for future service benefit if the fund is paying a disability lump sum benefit to a member. So some funds have unfortunately um, constructed this to mean that because of the rollover is not a lump sum benefit that is paid by the fund to a member, then the tax-free uplift cannot be applied to. Hang on, but but that's... That's not right, is it? That, that's not right. You, you're right, Quag. That, that's not right. Although I do, I do, um, uh, uh, I can see why the founder interpreted that way, just merely based on the wording, uh, this wording, specific wording uh, on the ATO's website that they quoted. And mm-hmm. However, we are technical people, aren't we, Greg? So <laughs> get any technical yeah. question to answer any technical question uh, is always important to read the source of um, uh, of the reasoning, the source of the um, uh, all things. That's the tax law, rather than just 
blindly based on um, some website. Um, sorry to say this, AT website included. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. So in this case, let's go to the tax law. Um, we have to call some legislative references just to oh, say, you know. It's always exciting. I know. Everyone's right? just going <laughs> we, section this and section that. Yeah, yeah, all right. Just to prove that we're right, we're just, yeah, we just yeah. didn't make things up. Okay, things sound, let's give sound it like more. boffins. Right. <laughs> yeah, the first le uh, legislative reference uh, again, the 97 Tax Act is a section 307-15. So mm -hmm. this section says a superannuation benefit payment includes an amount that is rolled over from one complaint fund to another. So it confirms that a rollover is a superannuation benefit payment. And mm -hmm. then, then uh, section 306-10 confirms a rollover superannuation benefit is a lump sum super benefit. So uh -huh. if we put these two together, as you can see, if a rollover happens, uh, well, the medical certificates are still valid, a rollover benefit can meet the definition of a lump sum disability benefit. And this means that the tax-free uplift formula can indeed apply. Okay, so if I just replay that in my head, mm. if I roll over, that is a superannuation benefit payment. Yeah. Uh, and also the Tax Act has confirmed is not only is it a superannuation benefit payment, it is a lump sum superannuation benefit payment. And so therefore, when we're looking to apply the tax-free uplift, we have the requisite lump sum payment, right? That's right. Now, so therefore, in our view, we should be applying the tax-free uplift, uplift to that. So... Obviously, that's our interpretation of what the law says. So do we have anything coming from the ATO that actually supports that? Very lucky we do, mm. we do. Yeah. So that happened in September 2007. That's during the National Tax Liaison Group uh, Superannuation Technical Committee. Uh, we call it NTLG meeting, the, um, mm -hmm. the old... Uh, the, the superannuation NTLG meetings, yeah. they were just absolutely terrific, right? So I will repeat it, September 2007 committee meeting. So the industry asked ATO this very question, uh, whether the tax-free uplift formula can apply where a lump sum uh, super benefit is rolled over from one fund to another, where the member is permanently disabled. And the ATO responded, that the tax-free uplift rules can apply to modify the amount of a tax-free component included in the lump sum payment here, I quote, even if the lump sum is rolled over to another superannuation provider. Yeah, there you so go. that's, there, that, there you go. That's, that's confirming that a rollover is a lump sum and therefore the rules that trigger these uplift that applies on the payment of a lump sum applies in on in the circumstances of a rollover. Yep. So fantastic. So um, obviously, you know, they should be paying it. Now we'll come back and talk to you about later on about what happens if they if they don't want to do it. But um, but you know, the law is there to support the position that you certainly can, and that's why Colonial First State will do it. For example, okay. So on to the next FAQ, and this is I get this a lot, right? Um, who does the calculation? Is it the fund that does the rollover or the fund that receives the rollover? It's, that's such a great question, Craig. Uh, think about it. If they, uh, to answer your question, the fund performs the rollover, should do it. But think mm -hmm. about it. When do we get the question? 
is usually uh, when the founder who did the rollover didn't do the calculation. And then advisors mm-hmm. get really confused. And then we mm-hmm. get a question such as, oh, the founder received the rollover, but the fund didn't do the tax-free component, uh, tax-free uplift calculation. How dare they? And we have to explain, oh, actually, uh, it's the founder who did the rollover would have to do the calculation, uh, not the fund that received the rollover amount. Just think about it. If a rollover benefit is paid from fund A to fund B, the trigger event to meet the definition of a lump sum disability benefit is actually occurred in fund A because fund A is paying the lump sum to a fund B. So mm-hmm. fund A is actually the one who needs to do the tax free uplift the calculation based on that legislative formula. Again, if you want to go to the source, that's section 307-145 of the 97 Tax Act. Sorry, I have to say it. Okay, so um, so from time to time, we actually get funds that go, oops, sorry, yes, we will do the uplift once the money's already left. Um, so from my understanding, uh, and hopefully you can confirm, is that's still fine. The, the, the originating fund can go back and do the calculations and then re-advise the receiving fund of those new components. Is that correct? That's correct. Uh, advisors should, in this case, uh, go back to the fund that did the rollover if they should have, but they didn't do the tax-free uplift. Um, yes, the rollover, rollover has been completed, but they, um, the fund A, the fund that did the rollover, still has the capacity to change or uh, do the calculation mm. and mm. amend the rollover benefit statement uh, to increase the tax-free component so the receiving fund can keep a new record of the increased tax-free component. So just because the rollover is already gone, it's not too late. It can be fixed. That's yeah. right. Okay. Yeah, yeah. All right. Now, uh, obviously, what should an advisor do if they want to make sure the tax-free uplift is actually going to be applied on rollover? I'd say uh, speak with the fund before actually doing the rollover. Yeah. But the majority yeah. of the fund is able to provide a quote. If the quote has very little tax-free component or things just doesn't sound right, don't do the rollover for, uh, yet. You know, have a chat with the fund. Make sure that everything is right before uh, performing the rollover. And as you said uh, earlier, Craig, if the rollover has been completed but tax-free component hasn't been increased, it's not too late to go back to the fund. Okay. So what you're saying is go to the fund and check, okay? Um, now, what if they say, no, <laughs> like, we're not doing that. We don't think you can because the ATO website says blah, blah, blah. What do you do? And ATO also said in the NTLG meeting that you can. I say, you know, quote NTLG meeting, um, the um, uh, ATO quotes themselves. Uh, and if you don't know where to get it, give first tech a, uh, a call, call or email first tech at cfs.com.au. Yeah, so we can give you the we can or give you the link for the relevant um, section of the ATO website that has the NTLG meeting minutes on it. Um, we can also give you supporting documentation, but I can't say that that's potentially going to be successful for you. I mean, giving a fund, you know, fund B, um, technical documents from fund A, whatever it is, whichever way it's going, to say you can do this is not always that, you know, compelling to another fund, but having content from the ATO um, technical subcommittee that deals with exactly this question 
if they still say no, then you know that fund's actually, I, I would argue, not acting in the best interest of the member, and, and maybe that's time to go and have a little chat to a lawyer and get them to write a letter, um, because if this is making a significant difference in the tax, um, then you want to make sure the client's getting the best outcome. And, and I have seen that approach taken before, and it has turned out to be successful. So uh, so that's always something considered. Obviously, absolute last result, because you don't want to involve the lawyers and have to pay for that. But uh, if it's going to make a massive difference in terms of the tax payable, it's something certainly worth considering if they're being quite uh, resistant. Yeah. <laughs> resistant. Uh, or difficult, yes. Okay, so I think that pretty much sums it up. So if I, if I just go through things, um, the tax free uplift can apply on rollovers. It's not just lump sum payments out of super. So if you've got a fund that's being um, a little bit difficult there, yeah, get, get hold of the NTLG stuff, give us a call and we can support you with that. Um, and the second part here is it's the fund that's paying the lump sum, not the receiving fund that applies the tax free uplift rules and modifies that tax-free component. So once again, if it's already happened, that's not necessarily, you know, catastrophe. Um, just go back to the fund and request uh, that that gets recalculated and they can uh, notify the receiving fund of those new components and that receiving fund should be able to modify those components in accordance with that new instruction coming on coming over from the, uh, from the original fund without a problem. Anyway, I think that's pretty much it. Anything else to add, Linda? Uh, no. All good at my end. Nothing. All good from your end. Okay. Terrific. Well, thank you. Thanks, Craig. And thanks for listening, everyone. Thanks for listening to the First Tech Podcast. Please note these podcasts are designed for authorised financial advisors as a source of general information. All scenarios considered during the podcast were purely hypothetical and for illustrative purposes only and do not constitute a recommendation to purchase, hold or sell any financial products or take any other course of action. You should read the relevant product disclosure statement before making any investment decisions and once again consider talking to a financial advisor. While all care has been taken in preparation of this podcast using sources we believe to be accurate and reliable, no person, including Colonial First Aid Investments Limited and Advantius Investments Limited, accepts responsibility for any loss suffered by any person arising from reliance on this information.